To think that there's coming a day that is going to be worse than the common day occurrences that we face with all of the fires that we have in our own nation, with all of the uh, devastations that are taking place around the world, and of course, with the institution of COVID-19 uh, over the world and the, and the shutdowns that happened, you would think that it couldn't possibly get any worse than this, right? Well, welcome to the Preacher's Corner. I'm Pastor Jay, and on this beautiful day, we're going to get into Luke chapter number 21, beginning in verse number 10. We're going to discover that we haven't experienced anything as of yet, but we're going to. So it's very important for us to get into this so that we may be able to catch a glimpse of what is to come so that our hearts are prepared to be able to tell others that of the wrath that is to come and, and of their escape in Christ Jesus as the only hope, the only way, the only truth, and the only life. So let's ask God's blessing upon us that we may be able to bolster our courage in this time to go through these things that Jesus shall teach us, and we'll thank Him for His blessing. Father, we are grateful. We pray that you will be with us as we study these things. You will open our hearts to your truth, that you will reveal yourself to us in such a mighty way, Lord, as that we will grow and understand. And we pray that you will use this message in our lives to touch other people in the days to come because they are short. And these times of tribulation are upon us. And... Lord, none of us knows the time or the season of the calling away of the Son of Man to His to His church, and so we must be a people prepared to lead others while it is today. Well, thank you and praise you for your blessings upon us this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, let's read down first off. We'll do Luke chapter number 21, beginning in verse number 10. We will read down to verse number 19. And the scripture says, Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, and in various places famines and pestilences. And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it, therefore, in your minds not to meditate beforehand on how to answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be delivered up even by your parents, and brothers, and relatives, and friends, and some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance you will gain your lives. What an amazing 
just revelation from Jesus to his disciples during this period of time. Of course, you've got this issue where everybody is hoping that Jesus is indeed the Messiah. They've already laid their coats on top of the, the mule that would carry Jesus into the eastern gate. They've already praised God, shouting Hosanna in the highest and, and praising God for, for Messiah. They, they've already gone through all of the necessary things to, to just bolster their faith and courage. And, and, and Jesus has yet to be crucified, but he's already upset the, the chief priests, the scribes, the elders. He's, he's infuriated for years the Pharisees. And of course, the only reason why Jesus had not been captured beforehand is twofold. One, it wasn't his time yet, and the father wasn't done with the ministry of his son quite as of yet. But two, there has always been a great friction between the chief priest or between the priesthood and itself, those known as Sadducees, from the Pharisees. And so that the Pharisees are enraged, didn't bother the Sadducees at all because it mattered not to them. He wasn't wrinkling their feathers. However, at this point of time when Jesus returns to Jerusalem in his last triumphant entry, uh, we understand that he immediately goes into the temple, starts to teach, and right off the bat infuriates all of those temple priests, which seal his fate in Jerusalem. So Jesus has been asked a question, and as, as we began yesterday, he's been answering this question as concerning when will these things be? When are, when are these things going to come to pass? Because remember, uh, th- there were several of the people, even of his own disciples, who were observing the temple and saying, wow, this is a great edifice, this is an amazing building. And Jesus said, take it in while you can, kids, because there's not one stone that's going to be left upon another in this time. Of course, we understand that, that at this period of time, we're dealing with about 30 to 33 A.D., and, and we also understand that there, there's coming a time in 70 A.D. Where, where Jerusalem is just going to be torn to the ground, where the temple's just going to be destroyed and torn apart brick by brick, exactly the way that Jesus says that it's going to happen here in Luke chapter number 21. And so when those disciples, they said, when are these things going to come to pass? We'll understand that, that Jesus knows exactly when it's going to happen because he is aware of what was in the past. He is present in this day, but he also knows the entirety of the future as being the Son of God, one in the likeness of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So he knows but of course, he speaks as, as concerning parables, the things of the future, as concerning parables for those who, who have ears but can't hear, have eyes but can't see, and have a heart that doesn't understand. So it wouldn't have done well for Jesus to say, well, about 70 A.D., um, you're going to be destroyed. And it wouldn't have done him well to have said, well, over the, over the next you know, 20, 30 Uh, years, you're going to suffer persecutions unlike anything you've ever experienced, even as of today. 
uh, wouldn't have done him well to have to have told him these things. And yet he did if they had ears to hear and eyes to see. It's what we found here in Luke chapter 21 and beginning in verse number 10. But if somebody told you that the job you were doing was, was very possibly going to put you in peril, would you continue doing the job? Well, the answer is yes, you would, because you would take those warnings of the danger and you would set them aside for the duty that you're called to do. Military personnel have to do this all the time because it's understood when you sign that dotted line that you very possibly are signing your life a way to to literally be on a front line shot at and killed just so that you can preserve the way of life of your family you can protect the the citizens of your country i mean you know when when our soldiers are on those front lines they stand as the image of the whole of the united states they stand in in our place to defend our freedom and to take care of our, our lives in this nation. And so, yeah, I think we ought to give them a lot more respect uh, because of the, the honor that it is to be able to fight for your family, to be able to fight for your country, your people. And so we understand that, that Jesus is actually going to upfront give them all of these warnings, but certainly it's not going to make sense to them until they're actually in the fight. You know, when you go into basic training, it doesn't necessarily make sense to you why you're being yelled at all the time, why there's you can't do anything right, why why you're constantly being nitpicked and constantly being being uh, accosted by all of these different people who just find so much fault in you that it's impossible to measure up. And so you you know you you don't understand at the time that you're 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 getting just literally going through all of this turmoil but when you're on that front line and the bullets are flying and the bombs are banging all around you but you're still able to function you're still moving you're still shouting orders and fighting for the guy next to you it all makes sense then it didn't make sense in the beginning when it was when it was rattling your cage, but now in in the midst of this battle, when your cage is being rattled, it isn't bothering you at all because you dealt with this already before. You're so accustomed to it that it's just it's another day at the office, even though your life is in danger and 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 all of these things are going on around you. Well. Jesus is is providing that that instruction. He's providing that warning because Jesus knows that his disciples are not prepared uh, necessarily for what they're going to have to go through in the years that are to come. Jesus is forward thinking and looking at a future saying, okay, they're going to be attacked, they're going to be hunted, they're going to be martyred, and they're going to have to stand the test. And so he's he's preparing them and he's warning them and he's teaching them and he's driving this home. And of course, you can imagine that the disciples are sitting there going, okay, Lord, uh, what's this all about? Why, why are you so adamant about these things? Uh, we're not worried about it. We have you. Well, we're not worried about it. I mean, you, you could just snap your fingers and, and, and get us out of trouble, right? Well, look at what Jesus said. Now, some of these things that Jesus teaches about, we experience today, and we've been experiencing for a long time. Anytime you have a group of people, like I said yesterday, 
Anytime you have a group of people that come together, rather in a church or rather at Walmart or rather whatever corporation that you can paint the picture of, as long as you have a group of people together, you're going to have strife. You're going to have some fighting. You're going to have some disagreements that are going to get blown out of proportion because that's the nature of sin inside of man. And he says in verse number 10, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Of course, on this earth, and gripped in the corruption of sin, you're going to have nations rise up against each other. Uh, rather, one nation sees the advantages of another nation and wants them, so is going to try and overthrow them. Or, or rather, you have a nation upset with another nation. It's kind of like World War One and World War Two. You had a whole group of nations upset with a whole other group of nations because of land grabs and, and, and takeovers, and so wars began. And Jesus said, this is, this is normal. This is something that's going to happen because this is the very nature of Satan. If you think about the, the war that takes place in heaven that we'll get to in Revelation chapter number 12 on Fridays, we have our Friday Revelation study again. On, on Revelation 12, it says between verses 7 and 11, it shows you this great war that would take place up in heaven where, where earlier it would show that, that Satan would be cast out and, and that old dragon, as he is known, with, with his tail wrapping around a third of the stars, the stars representing angels at this point that would be those angelic or heavenly beings that would agree to Satan that, that would try to ha hold a coup against the throne of God. Uh, oddly enough, it's ridiculous that you would think that you could possibly overthrow God, and yet they tried, and they failed miserably, and they got cast down to earth. Well, nevertheless, the very nature of Satan exists inside of man from the fall at, of Adam in Genesis chapter number 3, and that corruption of desiring to be as gods. And so we find that the same issue of Satan, where he tried to overthrow uh, God's, God and God's kingdom, that, that we as mankind are constantly fluctuating different kingdoms on this earth because of the desire to rule, the desire to overthrow. So Jesus told him, nation's going to rise against nation. The kingdom's going to rise against kingdom. He said, uh, as concerning the, the corruption of the earth, as far as the, the physical earth, he said there will be great earthquakes, kind of like the, the situations that would happen in, in the Pompeii, where you would have these huge volcanoes erupt and, and, and just cover and annihilate entire city-states. You would find all of these great earthquakes, like the one that struck uh, the the Jerusalem in the Middle East at the time of the of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That it would shake it up the whole area, and and literally that the the curtain of the temple would be torn. Of course, I believe that was done supernaturally, but it doesn't change the fact that there was a mighty earthquake during that period of time. And, and he said in various places there are going to be famines, there are going to be pestilences. Of course, we experience everything that Jesus has said in verse number 10 and 11. We've experienced all of these things in our modern day. We've, we've dealt with these issues. We've, we've, we're going through them now. 
And so Jesus is preparing his disciples, but we didn't realize that the disciples he was preparing was us in this modern day. Now, granted, he was, he was prepping the 120 in the upper room in Acts chapter number 1, moving into Acts chapter number 2. Granted, he was, he was uh, giving more detailed instruction to his apostles. But that carries on unto our modern day as Jesus speaks to us these words written in red, as our eyes hear what the Word of God says and our ears see what, what he's revealing don't let that get you too far off course. Your eyes listen to the words you, you receive from God off of the pages of your Bible, and your ears see the events that Jesus literally spells out for you so that you can connect your world in Christ together. That's kind of important to understand. And so it comes down and he says that when nation rises against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and great earthquakes and famines and pestilence, and he also says there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. Now, this is interesting because you have all kinds of different commentaries about this. We're talking about B-52s of modern warfare and, and, and F-22 Raptors and F-35 Joint Strike Fighters and all of these terrors that are flying the skies and, and great signs and, and from heaven. And, and we're thinking, oh, there's got to be the, all these modern explanations for all of these terrors and signs from heaven that are being made. And, and the reality is, is that may not be the case at all. These terrors may be something that we've never experienced yet. As we study through the book of Revelation, after all, you're going to come across in chapter number uh, 9, you're going to come across my favorite critters, <laughs> that for five months they're called locusts as the way that John would describe them. And for five months... They're just going to ravish the land, and, and it's not going to be the grass that they hurt. It's going to be mankind that they hurt and with teeth like lions and with tails like scorpions and with, 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 with these face-like people that they fly through and they just totally ravish. You're going to find uh, th that uh, f in chapter 9, there's, there's chariots, just like two million chariots, I think the scriptures were saying, that are underneath the river Euphrates and, and that their leaders, the four leaders that will come up are, are going to cover a third part of the world slaughtering mankind. I mean, there, there's all kind of terrors that are revealed through the book of Revelation for those who have rejected God, there's all kind of terrors that cannot be explained by natural means, that cannot be explained as tanks and soldiers and all of these things. We're dealing with a supernatural God. We're dealing with supernatural power and authority over a creation that is made uh, to work according to His will. These things may have absolutely no explanation by physical means of mankind's creations. These things, like we see as Jesus paints out, these terrors and great signs from heaven may very well be a special designs that God has made that we're not privileged to know or understand at this period of time, but only to be experienced 
in that period of time. So uh, just feast on that for a minute because we're not dealing with a God who works through human means. We're dealing with a God who works outside of human means. We're dealing with a God who, who literally created all things and created things we know nothing of. And so to think that we would bottle up God into our own authorities, our own powers, and our own abilities is just utterly ridiculous. But that God in His infinite wisdom, in His infinite power, in His infinite creation it has made things that we haven't experienced yet, but we're gonna. So you better get on board with the Lord and you better get right with God because because these things, these terrors, these, these signs from heaven, they're going to happen. And Jesus is telling us that right now. I mean, he's given us a perfect warning about this. They're going to happen. Look down. He says, verse number 12, Besides the nations going against the nations, kingdom against kingdoms, famines, pestilences, terrors, and great signs from heaven. He says, before all this. Now, you're looking for something that is to come. But before all this, they're going to lay hands on you and persecute you. They're going to deliver you up to the synagogues and prisons. Now, being delivered up to the synagogues is simply going through a religious tribunal. It's kind of like the inquisitions and the inquisitors of Rome at the Catholic Church back in the middle centuries where you could either be brought up in a civil trial and stand before the king or... You could be brought up in a religious trial and stand before the cardinal or the bishop or, or what have you, the prefect, and, and have to go through these different trials. But understand that it was more preferred to go through a civil trial and actually have your case heard than it was to go through a religious trial that often ended up in result of death. Because the Inquisitions were not known to pardon anyone, but only to give a swift death or a slow death. Just depends on if you repent or not. So it comes down. And it says, before all this, they're going to lay their hands on you, persecute you, deliver you up to the synagogues and prisons, to the religious authorities or the civil authorities, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. Now, this is true of uh, Peter. Peter would be crucified, of course, we understand in the, in the martyrs. Peter would be crucified upside down because he didn't want to dishonor his Lord by, by having the privilege of dying in the same manner as Jesus. But he was delivered to, to Rome through the hands of the Sanhedrin court. We know that, that Paul pleaded his case as being a free Roman citizen, so he was able to go before Caesar to make his case known. And ultimately, we understand that after, after his arrest, there were several years before he ended up actually being beheaded. But that was the Roman way of, of the citizen's death. And so we understand that you're going to be brought before kings. You're going to be brought before governors. Everything that Jesus has said to this point, including verse number 12, is absolutely true. We think about our modern days. We think about the Martin Luther in Germany in the 1500s, that he would face the entire Catholic army, that he would face the Catholic Church in Germany 
as, as he did, went through the Inquisitions, yet he escaped and Germany ultimately broke from Rome to, to uh, be set free from that particular tyranny. And, and it was all through the courage of this one man being willing to stand before governors, to be, to be willing to stand before emperors, as a very powerful testimony to what Jesus was saying in verse number 12 here. So it's, a, it's, it's more of a modern day situation that we have from the apostles and, and, and the disciples of Jesus because we see that the chain, the chain of events is, is consistent all the way through to our modern day. And so it comes to verse number 13. He says, this will be your opportunity to bear witness. In other words, Jesus is saying, hey, they're going to they're going to persecute you. They're going to deliver you up to the kings and the governors. They're going to they're going to kick you out of the synagogues. This is also connection to John chapter number 16, when Jesus said, don't be surprised when the day comes where they even they throw you out of the synagogues and they bring you before the magistrates and all these things. They're going to kill you and think that they're doing God's service. Don't be surprised by any of this. Well, it, it comes down and it says, this is your opportunity to shine. That's what Jesus would say. Uh, it's your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it, therefore, in your minds, not to meditate beforehand how you're going to answer. Now, it's really exciting on verse 14 and 15, because oftentimes I'm asked, as a pastor, I'm asked about the preparations that I would make for, for sermons on a Sunday. And, and I would be asked by what methods I would build my messages, uh, what points I would make. Am I the three-point-in-a-poem sermon guy, or, or it, it, how do you do it? Uh, if I asked you for a, 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 you know, a group of your messages, do you have them written out? Well, the answer is, is that I've got notes everywhere. Uh, my wife is constantly finding books of notes, and, and, and rather they're the little itty-bitty four-by-six uh, legal pads or, or the little pocket notebooks or, or eight-and-a-half-by-eleven notebooks or loose-leaf paper. I've got notes everywhere because it's just a personal desire and love to study God's Word. I love God's Word, and I love studying these points like we do together here at the Preacher's Corner. I love looking into the history and into the, the reality of what Jesus is saying. But the, the, the truth is, is verse 14 and 15 is something that I've always had in my heart that I said, you know, I would rather a message come from the Holy Spirit in me than from my own analytical studies. And so when Jesus tells me here in verse number 14 and 15, settle it therefore in your mind not to meditate beforehand on how you're going to answer. Of course, this is coming up before the courts and this is coming up before the magistrates and, and all of these things just to be a person devoted to prayer, a person devoted to studies so that at the time that you are questioned, at the time that you are uh, asked why, like it would say in First chap Peter chapter number 3 and verse 15, uh, Peter would teach us to sanctify the Lord God in our hearts and be ready always to give an answer to them that would ask a reason of the hope that is in us with meekness and fear. 
And so it's this same concept that comes from Luke 20, 21, 14, and 15. He says, settle it in your, in your minds. That word minds is, is the same word that is used in the King James to say heart. Settle it in your minds, not to meditate beforehand how you're going to answer. And this is the reason why. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. In other words, let not your answers be of human origin. Now, there's a whole ministry out there called apologetics. Now, there, there are two different types of apologetics. There, are, there is one line of apologetics ministries that is called evidential apologetics. And make no mistake, evidence is good stuff to be able to use. However, it's not the direction that I choose to go in with, with my apologetics ministry. For I, I, I believe more of a presuppositional apologetics approach, meaning that the Word of God is the, is the standard by which I'm going to explain anything that you're going to ask me. Now, I'm not afraid to use evidences as far as creation is concerned between the creation and evolution debate as far as uh, the, the different realities of the scriptural truth compared to other uh, religions like the Bhagavad Gita's Hindu Bible and, and the Mormon translation and the, and the Jehovah's Witness translation. So we study a lot of those translations. Well, the Bible... The Holy Word of God is, is going to be the very standard by which any argument's going to come from me. And that is called presuppositional apologetics. And, and the reason why that is so important is because of what Jesus said right here in verse number 15. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom. Now, you already have a mouth, right? <laughs> I mean, this is the concept. If you could reach up and touch your lips, you, you already have a mouth. However, it's very important in the manner in which that mouth is used. Now, that's a key element to this whole teaching, isn't it? That Jesus would say, I will give you a mouth, meaning when we become children of God, even our mouth is no longer ours to utilize the way we want. Our mouth is to be used to serve Jesus. And that mouth can only be used to serve Jesus when your mind is solely dedicated to the work of Jesus. In other words, the work of Jesus is in your heart, then your mouth will be used for the glory of the Lord. But all too often, our minds are so preoccupied, and so it could be said in similitude, our hearts are so preoccupied by all of the things that the, of the world that our mouths regularly are not used for the glory of our King. And so we would have to face the reality that in order for us to fulfill verse number 14 and 15 of Luke 21, we have to be a people who study the Word of God daily. We have to be a people who meditate day and night on the law of the Lord, as, as would be said in Psalm chapter 1. In His law doth I meditate day and night, in verse number 2. And so it's very important for us to realize what Jesus is saying because it isn't enough just to be a 
what we call today in our modern society a Christian. It isn't enough just to be a Christian. Say, well, well, but I got saved, so I'm good, right? That's all I need. Well, no, that's not all you need. Yes, it is good that you got saved. I thank God and praise the Lord for this. But that's just your beginning. That isn't the sum all or the, the, the finish of the thing. That, that you just getting started, son. Daughter, you just getting moving. And so it is necessary for us to be a people of the book. It's necessary for us to be a people who study the Word of God because without having the Word of God hidden in our heart, like it says in Psalm 119, verse number 11, where it says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. And where also it says in Psalm 119 and verse 105, he says that the word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And, and it also tells us over in Proverbs chapter number 3, beginning in verse number 5 and finishing in verse number 9, he says that, that I am not to, to follow my own thoughts, my own ways, but in every way I, I am to acknowledge my God. I am not to lean upon my own understanding. And so Jesus is actually reiterating all of these points as he says, settle it in your, in your heart, settle your mind uh, on this point, when you get arrested, don't even bother trying to come up with, a, with an argument. Don't even bother trying to figure out what you're going to say because in that moment that you need to speak, as you have been my disciple, as you have been a follower of me and have studied my word and have received my teachings, I'm going to give you what you need to say. Isn't that great? Praise God, we don't even have to worry about what we're going to say, guys. We don't have to worry about what to think or how to think. When we are questioned, we can simply trust the Lord to give us the answer in every time. And I, I, I remember having conversations with Jeff Suggs. Just going to shout out to you, buddy. I remember conversations with Jeff when I would visit him and and in in prison and and after he's gotten out now we we talked about it on a regular basis that that man there's so many times he, he god just blessed him god just gave him the words that he needed to speak in the moment that he needed to speak them and that's exactly the way that we should be not so concerned all the time about how I'm going to argue this or what I'm going to do with that but to simply study the Word of God daily, as He has given us commandment to do anyways, it says, study to show ourselves approved unto God, that as a workman we would not be ashamed, because we rightly divide the Word of Truth in Second Timothy chapter number 2 and verse number 15. So we're commanded to study the Word of God. And so if we would settle our mind and know the Word of God beforehand... When we are accosted by these people, we have the Word of God as a defense. We've got that shield of faith. We've got that helmet of salvation, that sword of truth. We're, we're prepared with our feet shod with the gospel of peace to go and answer them with meekness and truth, that which is being asked of us. 
And so he says, settle it before, beforehand because I'm going to give you a mouth. But not only just giving you a mouth and giving you wisdom, but he's going to provide you with an ability for none of your adversaries to be able to withstand or to contradict. Now, that doesn't mean that they're not going to continue to argue with you. It doesn't mean that they're going to try and switch the conversation, that they're going to try and do a logical fallacy called bait and switch. It doesn't mean that they're going to accept what you had to say, but it does mean that they're not going to be able to withstand the truth of God's Word coming from you, answering their question, and you're not going to have any contradictions. Now, as they argue with you, they're going to be full of contradictions because they're trying to find a way to disprove God. So they're going to be laden with contradictions because they're fighting against the truth and all they have is lies. But you, as you rest on the truth of God's Word, not your own Word and not your own study, but, the, but God's Word and God's Word in you alone. As you rest upon God's Word, there will be no contradiction in you, for God is true. And that's so exciting. And we don't even have to work hard. We don't even have to worry about it because the Holy Spirit in us will take all that the Lord has given us and He will bring it out of us in the moment that we need to speak. Which, by the way, is going to lead us to being delivered up and, and persecuted, of course, by parents. When you become a child of God and your parents haven't received Christ, it isn't going to make sense to them. They're not going to know how to deal with you. They're going to, they're going to be, be repulsed by you because of the wicked soul that they have. And you may be pushed away by your parents. You may be alienated by your family, your brothers and your relatives. You, you, you'll notice how many true friends you really did have when you do come to Christ because most of the people that call themselves your friends are now gone because they don't understand you or what's happened to you, so they take off from you. Uh, you, you find that you will be hated by all. And that's just not a comfortable thought, is it? But that's the truth. You'd be hated by all for the sake of Jesus. But guys, I'd, I'd rather be persecuted by the world and loved by Jesus than to be loved by the world and be rejected by Jesus. The last thing you want to hear when, 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 at the end of all things is, Depart from me, you worker of iniquity, for I have never known you. That's the last thing you want to hear. And he tells us, he says, Look, you're going to get delivered up by parents, brothers, relatives, friends, and even some of you are going to get put to death. You're going to be hated by everybody around you for my sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. Your endurance will gain your lives. Not a head of your hair will perish. He that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. Look, you have a better home. You have a better inheritance. You have a better family. You have better brothers and sisters. You've got better, better relatives and, and all sorts of frames and manners from the church, from the house of God, and those that are numbered among you called Christians than you do among your own kin. I know this personally. I know this personally. For those of the church and the household of the faith 
are my family. And I love them dearly. And I pray for the, the, the family that I'm connected to by last name and blood on this earth because many of them still need Jesus. Many of them, as we have come back to, to Virginia all these years to try and share Jesus with them, to try and, try and reach out to them, to try. And, but, but all the best that we've been able to see happen is that they start going to church again and get religious again. But you need Jesus. Religion isn't going to save you. You need Jesus. Hear the Spirit, not the man. You need Jesus. All right, guys, uh, we're going to pick up tomorrow with Jesus foretelling the destruction of Jerusalem, specifically in verse number 20 and moving down. I thank you for your time today. What a blessing it was to be able to rejoice in this message with you and, and to just be able to share this with you. So may God bless you, keep you, cause His face to shine upon you, and praise God for His mercy and grace. Father, we thank you. In the blessed name of Jesus, we pray that we finish this day well and that we have the opportunity to be able to soak these things in so that we could see our need to be of service to our King. And we will praise Thee in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, God bless. We'll see you tomorrow.